Welcome to Launch Your Life, a personal and professional development podcast for 20-somethings by 49 Financial. We believe that your early career is what sets the foundation for the rest of your life. That's why we are committed as a company to investing in the next generation. On this podcast, we'll deliver career coaching, encouragement, and wisdom from our own 49 Financial team and external experts that will help you navigate life and work in your 20s. Tune in and discover how to launch your life. Welcome to this episode of Launch Your Life, a personal and professional development podcast for 20-somethings by 49 Financial. This is the final episode of season two, where we're answering the question, why work? We'll be exploring the relationship that we have with our work as human beings and how it fits into the bigger picture of our lives. Each episode in the series will provide one possible answer to the question, why work? I'm Katie Wusso, and I'm the Director of Engagement and Development here at 49, and joining me for today's interview is a friend of 49 and business owner, Aaron Johns. Aaron is the founder of Two and Five Consulting, which is a, a life and leadership coaching firm that helps teams and individuals move from where they are to where they want to be. And she's here to talk to us about how work can be a place where we discover our unique strengths, those unique abilities that are such a big part of who we are and really can, can come to define the whole trajectory of our career. So going through life, especially in school, we, we tend to spend a lot of time and energy focusing on our weaknesses and trying to improve them. But Aaron's here to, here to share how work can be a place, maybe the first place you've ever experienced, where you really are able to lean fully into your strengths. And so she's going to be breaking down how we define a strength, how we discover what our strengths are in the course of our work, and also some advice on how to manage our weaknesses in light of our strengths. Let's dive in. Welcome, Erin, to the Launch Your Life podcast. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me, Katie. We're so excited to hear from you. I, You are a business owner. You are an entrepreneur. And so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your journey to, how, where, you, how, to where you are today and how you ended up starting two and five. Yeah, it's actually a perfect fit talking about strengths and some of the things I think we're going to go over today because really I got to where I am thinking through what I'm really good at and what I enjoy and also taking advice from other people, which is a huge component. I think of learning our strengths is paying attention to the people around us that we trust. And along the way, I had a lot of friends and coworkers say, we really think you should go back to school and be a counselor. I think that'd be a really good fit for you. And it just never was totally the right fit for me with the counseling component. But when you have five plus people in different situations tell you that you kind of have to stand back and go, okay, well, what is it that they're seeing in me? that would really be a good fit with that profession. And what I realized is it's coaching that I love. It's not the, the counseling part of working through the past and the history. What I love is sitting down with someone and going, okay, where are you? What's going on versus where do you want to go? What does that look like? And how do I help you get there? I love a process. I love thinking that through, and I love the relational component um, and being curious about a person and what that puts in. And that come to find out is coaching and there's a whole profession for that. And so that's how I kind of fell into this that I absolutely love. What were you pivoting away from when people were telling you you needed to go back to school for counseling? Yeah. At the time I was the operations director for a nonprofit. Gotcha. So you probably did a fair amount of coaching-esque type activities in that role, I would imagine. There's a good component of that, developing people, your staff, what that looks like, including processes, all that type of thing, which I also love. 
Awesome. So what do you focus on now as a coach? Well, really three different veins of things. One is the individual coaching, whether it's life or leadership, and it could be for individuals or companies that want to you know, coach a team and have their managers all coach with me. The second thing is workshops. And I specifically use either Clifton Strengths or Working Genius to come in and do those workshops. I love those as well, because there's always that aha moment when someone's sitting across the table from someone else and they go, oh my gosh, you don't hate me. That's just the way your brain works and the way you come at it and your motivation, which is so counter to the way I think that we clash. And then it's an aha moment. Communication has changed. It, it does everything for the team. Um, and so those are a lot of fun. I enjoy those. And then the third thing is I have a team of people that work with me and we do a program called Dream Manager. And it's a structured life coaching program that companies offer to their employees to help them be the best version of themselves, which then only, of course, makes the company the best version of itself. Really good. And I, I love the 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 range of tools that you that you bring into your coaching. It's very you provide a lot of different angles, but it's the same core skill set of coaching, of coaching individuals and teams. Yeah. Development and awareness. Absolutely. And so we're talking about strengths today, specifically strengths when you're early on in your career and you're trying to figure out what you're good at. Maybe you maybe you like the major that you chose for yourself in college. Maybe you're like, oh gosh, why did I choose this major? But I'm curious your take on why it's so hard for people to know what they're good at. It's a great question. Um, I don't think I have all the answers. I think my first reaction to that question is one, it takes time. And we live in this culture where we're just going from thing to thing and thing and thing. And we're not great at stopping for reflection. Even, and I'm as guilty about this as anybody, you know, if I'm doing the dishes, I've got a podcast in while I'm doing the dishes versus just having that quiet time to think if I'm taking the dog for a walk, I'm listening to a book or a podcast or talking to a friend, you know, even in the car. Now we don't just have the radio. You can listen to all sorts of things. And so we don't have that time to just think over and mull over it and let it process in our heads or take that intentional time on a calendar to say, all right, on Friday from this block to this block, I'm really going to sit down and think through what am I great at? So I think that's a big component of it. The other thing I would say is culturally, we're kind of raised to focus on weaknesses. You think about in school, if you were great at math, but you were failing English, they didn't call you in for extra math tutoring because that's what you loved. And they really wanted to get you going to the next level. You got called in for English tutoring to get better at that thing you were bad at. That's what we focused on. So I do love about Clifton Strengths and why I use it because Don Clifton started it saying, what would happen if we focused on what people are good at versus what they're not good at? So we're really going to focus on those strengths, manage our weaknesses. We can't ignore them. You know, they're still a part of life, but where we're really going to focus and put in that time and effort is what we're good at. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to see the things we aren't good at. And so we focus there. I, depending on what study you read, they'll say, you know, it takes 10 positive comments to balance out one criticism. You know, there's, there's that huge differentiation in how we look at the positive versus the negative and it stands out to us. Um, but that would be my my take on why we do that. That's really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought about our our emphasis on our own weaknesses being part of our culture and really part of how we go through at least our educational system for sure. Um, you end up spending a lot more time on the things that you are bad at because you have to try harder <laughs> to 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 stay afloat in those areas. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I've noticed in myself and in other people is that sometimes it's hard to know what we're good at because it, the things that we're good at are so natural that they, 
you, it almost doesn't even occur to you that other people couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if you've, if you've observed that in people or have any stories of people going, Oh, is, that's a thing. That's a thing that I'm good at. It's not just something that anybody can do. Absolutely. I think I, I can think of all sorts of stories right now, but you know, even personally thinking through, I love one of my Clifton strengths as a ranger. And that's like a ranger likes to organize for maximum efficiency. Okay. So in my mind, when I'm looking at something, it's kind of always like a Tetris game. Like, how does this fit? What is it? And I was in my twenties when I realized not everybody's brain works that way. That's not just a given that everyone does that. And also Katie, not everybody cares for maximum efficiency. So that was good for me to know that when I'm prioritizing this in some conversation, it is not a priority for that. Or now having kids, they could care less about efficiency. You know, that's not as important, but, but I didn't even realize that's just something my brain does naturally, that not everybody else does. Yeah, really good. Realizing that other people don't care as much about the things you care about is an important thing to learn in life. Um, but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I'm wondering, can you just define strength for us? Yeah, absolutely. Gallup, specifically for Clifton Strengths, would define a strength as the ability to consistently provide near perfect performance in a specific activity. Okay. I would just, in layman's terms, say a strength is something that comes easily to you and you're good at consistently, and it gives you a lot of energy and you enjoy it. Yeah, love that. So, what are some examples of, because I'm familiar with Clifton Strengths, I've taken it, and the categories that they use are interesting. I think there's like 30 something categories and it's not math or, you know, organization. They're, they're more um, nuanced than that. So what are some examples? So there are 34. You're correct there. They're talent themes is what they call them. Um, So it's, you know, the presence of that talent. And like I said earlier, Ranger is one of them, maximum efficiency developer that, you know, loves to see the potential in people, things like activator, they love to take action on things. So they bring a lot of energy to a team that they like action. A couple others, achiever, they love to accomplish things that brings them a lot of energy and joy. And then some that are a little more critical thinking, maybe on that, like intellection is one that loves to think through all the details, you know, processes on their own. They're a little on the then more quieter side. They're not going to be the ones in the meeting that are raising their hand, jumping in with an answer. They want to think it through and then come back later. Um, Some of those analytical likes to know the why behind things. So they're always asking questions just to give an example of a couple there. Yeah. And, and I think that the great thing about this topic is that the Clifton, the Clifton strengths assessment is really helpful because it gives you language for some of these things, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need that particular language in order to, to try to understand and put words to your own strengths. No, absolutely not. But I do love about Clifton that it's a language we all use. It's not, you know, some assessments, it's got all these other, I can never remember what letter am I, what thing am I, what number this language we use already, but I love when I'm talking to people and we're talking over the strength, they'll go, Oh yeah, I knew that about me. I just didn't know to use that word for it. You know, or they'll go home and tell a spouse and they're like, well, yeah, I knew that about you, but it's nice that we have the language now to use to talk about it. Really good. So I think when it comes to our early career experiences, there's sort of a chicken and egg problem because I think we need work experience to discover our strengths, but also our knowing our strengths can help us decide what path to go down in the first place. So how do you advise, you know, how would you advise young people to think about the tension there? 
That's a great point. And I love the chicken and egg analogy because it is tricky. And I think often we want to have the right answer up front, right? And so we jump into that versus maybe even seeing high school or college as a let's try out all the things and then decide. Um, and sometimes some people know right off the bat, this is what they want to do and they go into. But I think it's helpful to think through some experiences in life. And when you just really felt at your best, what was happening? What was going on? You know, what, what were you doing? What was the situation? Okay. Just to give you some idea there of, okay, let's dive into that. What did that mean? What strengths were you using? What might be coming out? Thinking about what gives you energy versus what drains you, you know, even in school, what components of that? Do you love the study aspect of it? Or did you love more the social aspect? You know, just things like that to help shed light on it or a, a summer job that you might've had. I'll ask people for, I, I'm going to give you a sentence and I want you to give me an answer three different ways. So I'll say, I am good at blank. So I want them to tell me three different things that they're good at just off the top of their head. And to be asked that and to think it through, no matter where you are in life, you then it kind of highlights a few things that you might be good at that you could dive into and see what's going on there. Yeah. So thinking through experiences in work or even outside of work where we feel like I'm really up and I'm really the best version of myself in these situations and then breaking that down. That's really yeah. helpful. Great um, best version of yourself. I also, I mean, to touch back on what I said earlier about listening to people in your life that you trust, ask other people, you know, they see you in an everyday situation and what that looks like. And what do you think I'd be, what strengths do you think I have? Where do you see me super energized at the end of the day and what was going on there? Yeah. And that sounds like the way that you discovered that you might need to go a different direction in your career from the operations side to the coaching side. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But you do want to, I mean, I do say people that you care about and that you value their opinion. So let's just throw that out there. We're not listening to just anybody. It's someone that you really trust and you value their opinion. Yeah. That's a good caveat for sure. So we have these natural strengths that we, we bring with us into our, into our careers, into our lives. What is the relationship between those natural strengths and skills, knowledge, gaining experience? Because being naturally good at something doesn't necessarily mean you don't need development in that. Yeah, great point. So I think that is the answer to the question. It's something you're naturally good at, but then you invest the time in learning about it and researching it. And what skills do I need to make myself even better at this? So that it becomes not just this theme of talents and these couple of things that I'm good at, it becomes that strength and what it looks like. And so we're taking what you're naturally good at, which back to taking the time to identify what you're naturally good at so that you're pointing yourself in that way. And those are the skills and the knowledge and the experience that you're looking for. Really good. What is your take on as a person in the world, in your career, how much should you focus on improving your weaknesses versus leveraging strengths? This is, a, this is a question that I got, um, in a professional development, we were doing a professional development training internally at 49. And somebody was asking, like, there are certain skills that I feel like I need to have to be successful in my chosen career path, but they maybe don't come naturally to me, but there were, they were a baseline level of skills that I think I just need. Um, so how, how do you advise somebody to go forward when they, they need to improve an area of weakness that, but they're not necessarily naturally, naturally inclined in that area? How, how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, that is a question I get a lot. And I would say 
focusing on your strengths would mean in that situation, what are you good at that can help you in those areas of weakness, right? So let's look at the strengths. How can they then help you manage that weakness through your strength? But also managing weaknesses might be, is there some app that helps you in some way keep track of this thing you're not good at? Is there someone else at work you can partner with that is really good at that? You know, managing weaknesses can mean a lot of things, but it doesn't mean we're going to put all of our time and effort into it. Now, you know, 49 Financial uses working genius. And we say that every project is a six letter project from that assessment. You know, they're, they're all six geniuses have to get used. So you don't have an excuse not to do it. Even if it's something in your frustration, you still have to do it, but we're not going to focus all our time and energy there, but we put things around it. So back to energizers and drainers, if it is a frustration or weakness of mine, like, um, Hey, I run my own business. I love coaching. I am great at coaching and the people in that aspect of it, marketing, not so much. However, I have to do that because I run the business and I need to do it all. So if I need to sit down and really think through a marketing strategy and brainstorm and plan that out. I know it's going to be draining for me. It's the thing I put off on my to-do list. It is something I will put on the calendar to do and then schedule over it because I don't want to do it. It is a weakness of mine. And I know that. So then if I put fun things around it, which you can't always do, but helpful when you can, those energizers. Okay, well, you know what? Then I'm going to go sit at a coffee shop Friday for three hours. And this is what I'm going to get done, but I'm going to do it sitting there with my favorite coffee in this great setting where I might also get to chat with a barista and have a great conversation with another patron. It makes it a little more exciting for that weakness that I'm going to have to do it. I'm just going to get through it, but I'm setting it up with some energizers around it. Yeah. I love that idea of using your strengths as the way that you tackle your weaknesses, I guess, because mm -hmm. I think one of the, one of the objections that people have to, and, and I'm thinking back to this particular internal conversation was they felt like there are these areas where I don't feel like I'm strong and I also feel inauthentic when I'm operating in these in the, these areas because it's just not me. Think mm -hmm. I, I think about examples like public speaking or you know things that people just feel a lot of discomfort around. But I I feel like if you bring your strengths in to those areas, you'll be more successful, but also feel more like yourself when you're operating in those areas where they don't come naturally. Absolutely, that was a great way to put it, Katie. So we have these tools, we have things like working genius, we have Clifton strengths. There's a lot of different assessments out there. How are these tools useful, but also what are the limitations that we need to be aware of when we're using these tools? Yeah. Well, they would say that the best leader is a self-aware leader. So it doesn't matter if the leader has X, Y, or Z on an assessment. What matters is they understand the things that they're good at and they can recognize their weaknesses because really it's about knowing yourself but also knowing how you come across to other people, right? Mm -hmm. We kind of touched on that earlier, but that's a huge component because leaders or in a profession, whatever you're doing, you're dealing with other people. And there's a component there of, okay, this is a strength and this is what I'm good at. But if I'm really pushing that particular strength and it doesn't come off right, or on my unhealthy side, these are the negative aspects of it. You need to know that. But the other part that you asked there is uh, the limitations. I think we need to be careful with assessments, no matter which ones you're using, to not use them as a sword or a shield. They're not an excuse for how I'm operating or an excuse not to do something, or I'm not going to attack somebody based on what they are. We don't want to put people into boxes. It just kind of gives you some awareness to dive in. And some of these components are what's going on in your life and who you are, but we're not going to put it in a box and we're not going to attack people or use it as an excuse. Yeah. 
I want to go back to what you said about managing how you're perceived or not, maybe not managing how you're perceived, but understanding how you're perceived, because I think that's a really hard pill for some people to swallow that mm -hmm. they might, the way their temperament or their personality or their skill set or whatever might result in them being perceived a certain way that they're not intending. How do you, how do you take that self-awareness and do something about it? Because it feels really, it can feel really helpless if people, if you find out people are perceiving you a certain way and it's absolutely not what you intended. Yeah. Which would be amazing if you did find it out, because then you can actually approach it and deal with it and changes things. Um, I think because of our strengths, we see the world through a certain lens, just like our upbringing, we experiences we've had, that's how we see the world. It's the same with our strengths. So when we're thinking through communicating with my strengths, I communicate a certain way or feedback. If you've got a manager and an employee, the manager is going to give feedback based on their strengths and what they're comfortable with versus the employee might not receive feedback the best from that, right? So that awareness there of, okay, this is how I give feedback. Maybe I'm very, very strong on the logical, critical thinking side. And I just like to get things out there and say it without any fluff or extra. That's how I'm going to come across. That might be aggressive to someone else, even though that's not what we're intending, so knowing it to say, okay, well, I just need to, I need to start off with a little conversation about life first. How are you doing? What does that look like? Just be a little um, more conscious of how that is. Put in some positives also with the areas of improvement I want to work on. It comes off very differently to someone else who approaches things that way. Yeah, that's really practical. So we've been talking about strengths. We've been talking a lot about work experiences and how to use those to understand ourselves. So thinking about college students, maybe that have had more limited experiences operating in their strengths in the real world. What advice do you have for them if they want to better understand what their strengths are? I would say, take some assessments, you know, pick one. I obviously love Clifton strengths and I love working genius. Um, I, there's a, a million others out there and some free ones, you know, the Enneagram you can get on and take on the internet and there's no charge. There's Myers-Briggs, all of those you can take without any charge at all. So a college student doesn't have any money. That's not an issue or pay a little bit of money and get some of these other assessments so that you do have some of that self-awareness and information about yourself. And any one of those is going to give you a report and some information, even if you're working for a company and let's say they use disc, they're going to give you a report and some info but then really digging into that and say, okay, if it is DISC and I'm a high I, but my manager's a high D, Google, how does a high I work with a high D, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a college student and, and you know it comes back, you do the Myers-Briggs and you're an ESTJ. Okay, well, what are the best jobs for an ESTJ? What could that look like? What are my strengths? What do I bring to a workplace? And read through it and see what jumps out at you and really fits and then go from there. That would be my advice because again, that self-awareness and being intentional is huge. And then from that thinking through, okay, well, if these are my strengths that I've identified, what are my needs from those strengths? What needs to be met? What does that look like for me to help shape what you're looking for in a profession? Yeah. Yeah. And I think keeping in mind as you take assessments, you know, I I've heard we've worked with different assessments that I've worked with different assessments throughout my life in different jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's always the person that's like, you mean, I don't want this thing to put me in a box. Yeah. I'm not trying to put you in a box. It's just a data point that you can take or leave. Um, you can disagree with it. It's okay. Yeah. Take what jumps out at you and, and use that again for that further self-awareness, whatever it may be. 
Amazing. And we will include some links to some of these assessments in the show notes. Um, they're just publicly available assessments that you can take uh, that can that can help you on your journey of self-awareness and complement the real the real life experience that you're getting on the job uh, and help you understand how to leverage those in your career. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Erin, for joining us on the show today. This was a really helpful conversation. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Katie. That is all we have for you on this episode of Launch Your Life. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review. It is the best way to show your support and help others find the show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.